Well, being in the news media business, people always ask me, who do I need to be listening to? There's one name I give everyone every time I'm asked that question. It's the one man who's had probably the singular biggest influence on my political thought, my political theory, my political news media career, and that is Steve Dace. Not Dace, D-E-A-C-E, Steve Dace. Um, He's going to be coming on to tell us his story. It's an incredible story of how he got into the media business. I bet you've never heard it. Even if you're a Steve Dace fan, I've been a huge fan for eight years and didn't even hear the story that he shared with us. So you guys want to tune in, hear about his story, his rise to fame. And he's also going to talk about a movie that's coming out called Nefarious, based off his book, A Nefarious Plot. Uh, it's incredible. You're going to want to hear that. And man, the behind the scenes content on this is straight fire. Incredible. He's going to break down why he was willing to go out on a limb and take everyone to the mat right away on COVID tyranny and also on the election being a total scam. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast, Got an incredible podcast for you today. Again, we're pursuing a free and flourishing Alabama here at 1819 News, the podcast each and every week. And I'm really excited about the guest this week, uh, Mr. Steve Dace. He is um, a tremendous influence on um, what 1819 News is, what we aim to do, why, all of those things. There's two people who had uh, massive influence uh, on me and my political worldview, political theory, One was Pat Buchanan. When I was in prison, I read Death of the West by Pat Buchanan. That instilled a lot of this in me. And then Steve Dace. So uh, eight years ago, Steve and I worked together at USA Radio Networks. He was the big uh, news talk syndicated radio show then. And uh, I was the one that was supposed to get his show on radio stations. And some stuff happened there at USA Radio. And we parted ways. Um, But during that time period, I really listened to his show very intently at first because it was my job. But then I really just fell in love with the show and just hearing his courage and his no-nonsense approach uh, to politics that was backed by a biblical worldview. So I think that's incredible. But I think the most incredible thing about Steve is that he has risen to fame through faithfulness. So many people in the media industry rise to fame through compromise and cowardice. Um, Steve uh, has done none of those things. There's no compromise in him. And because of that, he slowly grew and slowly grew. And then uh, the election in 2020, uh, I remember watching Glenn Beck. um, Oh, why can't I think of her name all of a sudden? uh, It was Glenn Beck, Steve, and Allie Beth Stuckey uh, that was doing the coverage. And um, Fox News called Arizona, and he immediately said, that's election fraud. Like, what's happening right now, we need to mark this moment. And then for the next three days, was furious in telling everyone what was going on. Um, probably people thought he was crazy, but he was right. And then he had the data to back it up shortly after. And then also COVID, he was the first person to come out with data and say, you are being lied to, period. And everyone thought he was crazy, but then they realized he was right. And because he did those things, his audience um, you know, became huge. And it was because he was faithful and he was unwilling to compromise and he knew the truth. So Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Uh, so it's an honor. Thank you, Brian. I, if, if at least half of that is true, I'm a pretty cool dude. So thanks, brother. <laughs> I was hoping to butter you up just a little bit. 
but it is, man. I've been, you know, uh, since I was a nobody, nothing in the industry at USA, little, uh, you know, affiliate rep making $30,000 a year at the very beginning, uh, you were there, you know, and that was how it started and you went on your path and now I'm on mine and God has blessed us both immensely. And so I'm, I'm, you know, really grateful to have you on. Amen. Well said. So um, we love stories. That's what we love to do with with guests. Come on, talk a little bit about your story, how you came into the media business, um, you know, everything from being born to a teenage mother and all those things, WHO, media, all that stuff, and just tell us how you came to be uh, who you are on Blaze TV. And then we're going to jump into uh, Nefarious after that. And then our behind the scenes, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the COVID and election integrity. So, um, yeah, I mean, my mom was... Uh, pregnant with me at 14, had me at the ripe old age of 15, um, and, and found out she was pregnant within the purview of Roe v. Wade at its, um, at its, at its genesis. And, uh, she thought about having an abortion, just couldn't go through with it. You know, her mom was twice divorced and living with her grandparents. And so the last thing they could afford was a, was another mouth to feed, but they just, she just couldn't imagine killing her kid. But so she ended up having me. It, it was, certainly was not easy. Uh, we were on food stamps, welfare, ADC growing up. I've ate government cheese. It's really not that bad. <laughs> the government orange juice sucks, though. Don't drink that. That's, <laughs> but, uh, uh, she ended up uh, meeting uh, a guy. Uh, my grandmother and her uh, moved out to Anaheim to manage a hotel uh, over by Disneyland when I was about three. And she ended up meeting a guy who was on shore leave at the Navy named Dave, uh, and they hit it off, started dating for a full week and ran off to Vegas and got married. And that is where my last name comes from. Uh, he was my stepdad growing up. And uh, there were times that he was a tremendous dad. Uh, I learned uh, a lot about work ethic. Um, but better and wor for better or for worse, I'd not be the man I am today without him. Uh, he instilled in me a, a high quality work ethic. Um, a lot of regard for the quality of your work, uh, mm. not taking half measures, not mailing it in, don't quit, bow to no man. I learned all those very positive lessons from Dave. He also, though, had some demons from the way that he was he was raised and he was abused, and he took some of that out on us at times. Uh, and so he wasn't always the best male role model either. And, um, you know, for a long time, I, I wanted nothing more than to get his ultimate approval. <clears throat> and it was pretty obvious after a while, I was never going to get it. And when that happens, you know, as a young man, you just, you kind of start drifting a little bit because a lot of your, um, a, a lot of, a lot of your motivation is outside of yourself and isn't going to be, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, isn't going to mm -hmm. be manifested. Yeah. And so we got into, you know, the typical things young men in the Gen X division get into uh, when they're bored, um, lacking a mission, lacking a purpose. And uh, one day uh, I, I talked my way into getting a job at the Des Moines Register. Forgive me, Brian. I've done so many interviews the last couple of weeks. I'm, my voice is killing me. Yeah, you're <clears throat> uh, but uh, I, I talked myself into getting a job at the Des Moines Register. And uh, I told him, man, I'll, I'll volunteer at the bottom. I just want to learn the job. I didn't mean it. Just thought it was a good line. <laughs> and that's where, they start, that's where they started me, actually, was at the bottom. And I complained and whined 
that I, I, I could be doing more than this. Of course, I had no qualifications. I'd never done anything in media ever. <clears throat> and so they finally give me a writing assignment and it was to cover Iowa's track and field results, high school track and field results. And, and I was like, listen, man, the only thing worse than track is field. And I didn't do it. <laughs> I did not do the assignment. And I was coming in, uh, I was supposed to come in on a, on a Sunday uh, to help uh, prepare I, the Des Moines Register sports section, which was a legend back in those days. It was called the Big Peach. It was a giant sports section, peach colored. It won all kinds of you know, awards. And so I was going to come in as the, as the news assistant to help prep the desk for the big peach. And I got out partying with my buddies the night before. And the next morning, everyone was other than me was too hungover to go make a breakfast run. So I did, I was weighing about 400 pounds, wasn't wearing my seatbelt and a guy, uh, sideswiped me and the impact of the conclusion, the collision was so uh, so fierce that it, I, I saw him come out of the corner of my eye and I grabbed my steering wheel to brace me. It moved my entire body and our, my entire steering column into the passenger seat. Wow. And I got taken to the ER and everything else. And, um, uh, and, uh, I mean, I, I, by all rights could have died and I didn't have a come to Jesus moment in the hospital, but I did sit there and think to myself, Man, I was voted most likely to succeed in high school, and I'm a friggin' loser. I'm just wasting all this potential. What am I doing, you know? And so I was going to get fired from the register, but I showed up to work a week later with a neck brace, and those liberals there just didn't have the heart to fire me with a neck brace on. I found that out later. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. it. They, they told me this like six months later. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just put my nose to the grindstone. I was working in the mailroom at Blue Cross Blue Shield during the day. I'd come in at night. Work the debt, the agate desk at the register, man. And I, I mean, I, I grind it. I mean, I, I gave it my all to try and re, uh, to earn another shot. Wow. And by this time, my, I had met the woman who would go on to become my wife and we're talking about, you know, maybe making it permanent. And so I've got to figure out if I've got a, if I've got a future in this business or not. And so months have gone by and the register has not given me another writing assignment. And so I had noticed that, uh, we had not, we had not done a feature on the number one boys basketball team in the state over at Mason city high school. And, uh, I called up their coach, Bob Horner, whose son, Jeff would go on to be a starting point guard at the university of Iowa. And they had another guard on that team, Dean Oliver, who would go on to be a starting point guard at Iowa. And, uh, I talked to, to Bob Horner and Dean Oliver. I just said, Hey, I'm a Des Moines register reporter, new guy here. And I'm going to, I want to write a story about your number one ranked basketball team. And, uh, um, interviewed them, wrote the story. I waited until I was working the desk again on a Saturday night for the big peach. And I waited till everybody went home and I wrote the story like at 2 AM and I filed it in the system. Like I was assigned the story and I thought, well, just wait and find out on Monday what happens, you know? And so Monday morning and I'm getting ready to go on my mail clerk run, put my headphones in. Cause you know, this was a, a job that any idiot could do. So I just listened to Rush Limbaugh or music the whole time I was delivering the mail. Yeah. And uh, my supervisor, Marsha, walks over to me. She's like, there's someone on the phone for you. They're very angry. You need to take this call. And I <laughs> I go over, I get the phone, and it's our deputy sports editor, Larry Lamer. And he's like, hey, man, what you did is not how we operate here. I want your ass over here. As soon as you get off work this afternoon, we're going to have a talk about this. You know, And uh, the register and Blue, Co Blue, Blue Cross Blue Shield were across the street from each other at that point in time. So, I mean, it was a two minute walk over there. 
You know, and I just looked at the clock all day long thinking my, whatever media career I thought I was ever going to have is over right this minute, you know? And yeah. I, I go over to meet with Larry after I get done schlepping in the mailroom and uh, hoping maybe one day I can work my way up to claims adjuster. And there's nothing wrong with that. You do that for a living. Great. You know, but um, I was thinking that's probably what I'm going to hope to end up doing for a living. And I, I get over there and he just berates me uh, for violating all kinds of protocol, misrepresenting myself and everything he's saying is true. All of his criticisms are accurate. You know, I thought I was being cute. I was kind of pulling a, a Kirk, a, a Captain Kirk reprogramming the Kobayashi Maru. And maybe I'd get a I'd get an award and a special accommodation for original thinking like he did. You know, but that only <laughs> happened. And uh, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I, how do I get out of this so that. I'm going to come up with some one-liner so that years from now when I'm at the sports bar with my buddies, I'll tell them the story about how I told the guy off one day, you know, and have this great line. And I'm trying to think of what that line's going to be, you know, so I can salvage whatever shred of dignity I have left and get out of here. <laughs> and, and, and then he looks at me, he says, but your story's really good, so we're going to run it on the front page of the register tonight. Oh, wow. And if you, to this day, if you look at our set for The Blaze, um, my assistant, our booker, Todd, over his shoulder, you will see a matted Des Moines register feature over his shoulder on our set. That's the first gift my wife ever got me um, was a matted version of that story, a framed matted version of that story to, to keep it forever as my start. And it, it's on our set today on The Blaze, wow. that story from 1995. And uh, that's how I got started in media. Um, I worked my way up. I covered uh, minor league hockey, high school sports, uh, covered uh, Drake University women's basketball. So you saw the University of Iowa basketball team. The women's team made the final four yesterday. Their coach, Lisa Bluter, she coached Drake back when I covered the team. Um, and I got into radio because um, a couple of years into my sports writing career, we had our first sports talk radio station in Des Moines, and I got to know the owner. Uh, a guy by the name of Marty Terrell, and uh, I did a big feature on them. And from there, we got to know each other. And so about uh, two years after I wrote this feature, Brian, he called me up out of the blue one day and said, hey, man, I'm thinking of starting a weekly sports show with three guys from different generations. And I, I need a young generation guy. And I'm wondering if you're going to if you want to do it. I'm like, are you going to pay me? He said, yeah. OK. And that's how I got my start in radio. And by this time, I'm I'm now a part-time law clerk at, at a law firm downtown. I'm not a mailroom clerk anymore. I'd gotten another job. And uh, um, I got into an argument one morning with our very left-wing defense attorney because I just got sick of writing legal briefs for illegal aliens that got busted for selling drugs to kids coming home from school. Wow. And I'm just like, hey, man, why are we representing these guys? And we got into a big moral argument about it. And I, you know, I quit in a huff and drove home. And I'm thinking to myself, man, how am I going to tell my wife I gave up? Because it, you know, these, these working for, working for, it pays well to represent the guilty, Brian, yeah. much better than it does to prosecute them. <laughs> I, I was making good money doing this job part time, you know, like 15 bucks an hour, which is a lot of money in 2000, yeah. you know? And I'm like, how am I going to, explain this to my wife when she gets home, how I quit this job over a moral argument. And I get back to the apartment we lived in at the time. And the phone was literally ringing, Brian, as I walk in, I pick up the phone, answer it. And a buddy of mine says, Hey, did you happen? To, did you hear what happened to Marty Terrell over at the, 
over the sports radio station. I said, no. And he goes, well, he's got, he's, he's just got caught double dipping with his hands in the till having advertisers write checks to him instead of the station. He got fired. Wow. So they need, they need someone to do the morning show over there. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm suddenly my mornings are suddenly free. Yeah, okay? Free agent. <laughs> yes. I, I, I called over there and like, yeah, we need help. Steve, come on in. And that's how I got started into doing daily uh, sports talk radio. Every job I've ever had has been offered to me. I've never successfully ever pursued a job ever. Every job I've ever had has occurred because someone I previously did not know called me or contacted me out of the blue and offered it to me. Wow. And, and so, you know, in the midst of this, I have a Christian conversion, you know? And so between the fact I can't take any credit for my career and then with the knowledge that I, my life is not my own, I was bought at a high price. I kind of just feel like I'm playing with house money every day, man. So I'm all in every yeah. show, you know? So I, love it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't risk anything to get here. I didn't build anything to get here. Um, salvation is by grace through the free gift of faith, lest any man would boast. So, you know, I don't care if I look in my hand and it says do seven offsuit or a pair of aces. I go all in every hand. And that's how, I've, and it served <laughs> me well. That's how, that's how I've gotten to where I'm at. Amen. Yeah. I, I mean, it's incredible. And I'm not going to bore the audience with my story of uh, how this all started, but the similarities are striking from a stepdad named Dave, which I had to uh, how 1819 got started was I was literally praying with my wife, hey, how can I use my gifts, talents, abilities, resources, relationships to do something for my people in place in Alabama? I just right. got done doing this massive uh, get out the vote strategy with Bernie Marcus and uh, um, one of the four founders of Home Depot. Uh, he's, he had like 10 different projects he was doing to try and get Trump reelected. I was helping on the media side. We raised $6 million, executed the strategy, and then watched the election get stolen. I'm like, okay this national stuff, I've got to focus on something other than national media, national politics, national blah, blah, blah. And, uh, the, the president of the Alabama, well, I go home, go to church and my pastor starts preaching on localism. Fathers fix your family, families. You need to be in church, churches, community, community, city, city, county, county, state. So I go home, pray with my wife. How can I use these gifts, talents, resources, relationships to do something here in Alabama? A week later, the president of the Alabama policy Institute calls me about one of their guys getting a radio show. He knows I'm a radio guy asking a bunch of questions. And at the end of it, he says, man, you know, what we need more than a radio show in Huntsville is a statewide state focused news and multimedia company to take out al.com, which is the liberal media outlet of record here in uh, Ruby red, Alabama. And I <laughs> said, I'm a free agent. Let's do it. And I wrote up mission, vision, plan, budget, and we got to work. And what God has done is unbelievable. So very cool. And, and man, having watched you and been a fan for eight years, I've never heard any of those aspects of your story. So I'm very glad I asked. Very cool. Well, then you went on uh, WHO, um, national radio syndication, um, went from there to CRTV. CRTV turns into Blaze TV. And now uh, you are on Blaze TV. But not only are you doing all that, you wrote some books. Um, the first one I read was rules for Patriots as a play off of, uh, rules for radicals, uh, Saul Alinsky. That was really good. Uh, you wrote some others. Um, I've got one right here, the rise of the fourth Reich, uh, which I'm mm -hmm. reading now. Um, but one of those has been turned into a movie and that's nefarious. And so we're going to come back after this commercial break and we are going to talk about this book turned into a film, which once again, I'm sure Steve had no idea 
he was going to be in the movie business. So um, stick around after this break, and we're going to talk about that when we come back. Hey, y'all. It's Allison Sinclair with Alabama Unfiltered. A lot of people ask me, what can I do to actually make a difference in D.C. and in my state government? And one of the most effective things you can do is write an old school letter to your elected officials. It seems super simple, but a written through the mail letter gets their attention much more than an email or a phone call. I use the Quick Letter app from my phone to write letters, and it makes it so easy to write all of my representatives in D.C. and in our state a real letter in a matter of minutes. And so Quick Letter automatically determines your representatives and their mailing addresses. You write or dictate a letter on your phone and tap the name of every representative you want to receive that letter. And Quick Letter handles the delivery address, the return address, the greeting, the closing, the signature, the printing, stuffing, stamping, and placing your letter in the U.S. mail. Your governor, attorney general, state legislators, your U.S. senators, and congressmen need to hear from you. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. Actually, a brief, simple letter usually has the most impact. Send a quick letter today and every day. Go to quickletter.com, that's K-W-I-K, quickletter.com, or download the Quick Letter app today. All right, guys, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around on that commercial. And before we jump back into the interview with Mr. Steve Dace, we, uh, I want to just tell you guys what, what our sponsor, Jim Hicks at Quick Letters, has done is truly incredible. He's created an app that makes it so simple for you to be able to write a letter to your legislator. Um, there's something about a printed letter that gets mailed in an envelope and lands on their desk, and especially as those things stack up on a state legislator's desk or even a, a U.S. senator or something like that. Um, that's pressure that they feel and they respond to it. And so he's made that super easy with the quick letter app, download that, get to writing, let your voice be heard. We're in a legislative session here in the state of Alabama. Um, everyone from attorney general to Steve Marshall to other state reps that they've, they've told me, Hey man, I'm getting these letters and, and we're reading them. So know that it is not futile to make your voice heard. Uh, do that. It's never been easier with the quick letter app. All right. So uh, we left off talking about books and books turned into movies, specifically one book turning into a movie. Uh, a Nefarious Plot was the book, uh, and I believe the movie is just titled Nefarious. Is that correct? Correct. So um, if, and if, if I'm correct on kind of the, the plot is a little bit of a screw tape letters um, type of approach of if, if, if I was the spirit of the age, what would I be doing to destroy society? And right. that's the book. Talk about the book and then how that turned into a movie and then the movie. So I got inspired in Washington, D.C. because there's no better place to be inspired about a demonic takeover of America <laughs> than Washington, D.C. Uh, I got inspired while I was in a trip on my first trip to D.C. to write a book that was kind of a an homage sequel to a screw tape letters where we take it to another level now about um, a demonic takedown and takeover of America, not just the temptation of individuals. And uh, I created this character who is a high lord of hell, Lord Nefarious, who was tasked by the devil with the destruction of the United States. And in this book, he lays it all out, doesn't hold names, names, connects every dot. And he does so because um, the, his ability to put it right in our face and rub our noses in it is how he'll convince our, his master, his master, the devil, that his plan was successful. And uh, Glenn Beck, who I had yet to know now that we work together, but I, he, I didn't know him at this time. He found out about this book and read it and had me on his show uh, and driving around that day was uh, a guy named Chris Jones, who had just left Pure Flix to start a new company called Believe Entertainment. 
And he had helped produce a movie called God's Not Dead that was a massive success. And him and the other, him and two, his two other partners, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Consulman, they actually wrote the script for God's Not Dead. And uh, they wanted to write, uh, maybe, they wanted to maybe get into making grittier movies from our worldview. They were just getting ready to start production on their first project uh, based on Abby Johnson's memoir of her time at, uh, at Planned Parenthood called Unplanned. And they were wondering what their next movie was going to be. And they heard me talking to Glenn Beck about this and they got the book themselves and they were completely blown away by it and approached me about a movie deal. You know, at first I thought it was a Nigerian prince scam, but it turned out to be true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we started, we were going to work on the movie right after Unplanned finish its global run in early 2020. Uh, and then COVID hit. Yep. So right after California reopened in June of 2020, I went out to Burbank. We started storyboarding the movie, how we were going to apply this 240 pound or 240 page demonic diatribe into a feature film. And what we do in the movie, Nefarious, is show you the origin of the book, where the demonic manuscript came from. And there is a very notorious ritualistic serial killer on death row in Oklahoma named Edward Wayne Brady, who has exhausted 10 years of appeals. And on the day of his execution, he files one more emergency stay on the grounds that he was demonically possessed when he committed these crimes. He's trying to make it, they think he's trying to make an insanity play, right? So they don't think it's desperate. No one believes it will work. So the court appoints a psychiatrist who's a very left-wing secular atheist who thinks he's just here to, you know, honor a court order and uh, finish his per diem and, and check some boxes and we'll fry this guy tonight and the world will be better off and we'll all move on. And he gets a lot more than he bargains for. And over the course of this movie, he thinks he walks in thinking, I'm the smart one. I'm enlightened. I know what all the big answers to all of life's biggest questions are. And by the end of the movie, he will come face to face with the his true Svengali, his true Jedi master, where his worldview truly comes from. And you'll watch as this knowledge wrecks him wow. and forces him to come to grips with the fact there is more going on in the world than he previously thought. So we made this movie to look and sound like what your pagan friends and family members are used to being entertained by. But mark my words, it is fully, it's a full throat apologetic for our belief system. And it will, it will, it will force the conversation that you will then have with your, your unbelieving friends and family members, take them out to coffee, pizza, dinner afterwards. And, and we tenderize that meat for you. We, we softened them up. We slapped them around for a good hour and a half. And then now maybe they're ready to have the conversation that you want them to have or you've been wanting to have with them. It's very well done, expertly acted. If Sean Patrick Flannery had done, who is who is our lead as Nefarious, if this was uh, trans every kid, he, he would absolutely be nominated for an Academy Award. It is a Nicholson in the shining level of performance. And you know I am not one to blow things I'm involved yeah. in out of proportion. If anything, I dog myself. You okay. Do mechanism. This is a next level, extraordinary Heath Ledger-esque performance in this role. Wow. He is incredible in this movie. Uh, it hits theaters nationwide on April the 14th. Um, April 1st, we'll start selling uh, tickets and uh, we'll have a list of theaters around the country that will have it at least to open. And you can go get uh, the tickets and see if the theater, if it's coming to your area. At, and you can see all the trailers. Some, the trailers we have are dynamite, especially the full trailer we released about two weeks ago. Whoisnefarious.com is the website you want to go to. 
whoisnefarious.com. Whoisnefarious.com. Man, that's incredible. Like I was already just going to go see it because I basically anything you do, I, you know, I, I, I go watch it. I read it, I whatever. Uh, but hearing that I'm freaking jacked now. So really excited uh, to go see that. Uh, and before we come to a close, let's, um, where, what, what's the best way to find all of your other stuff? SteveDace.com, Blaze TV. What's, what, what would you say is the best way to get your, your daily show? Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Amazon or Stitcher or Spotify. Just look for Steve Day Show. Right now, frankly, maybe the best thing to do is follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. There's almost the, the censorship there with since Elon Musk has taken over is much less punitive and restrictive than it is on every other social media site of magnitude right now. So at Steve Day Show on Twitter, I always link all my columns. Everything I do is linked up there at Steve Day Show on Twitter. Or just look for Steve Day Show on the podcast platform of your choice. There you go. Yeah, Twitter's been fantastic. We've dumped all of our money and resources are now going into Twitter where they were being wasted elsewhere. So really excited about that. Well, Steve, um, thank you so much uh, for coming on to tell us your story and to tell us about this incredible film. Uh, and guys, those of you who are supporting the work we're doing at 1819 News, we're going to have an incredible behind-the-scenes segment where we discuss... Um, really uh, COVID tyranny uh, and also election fraud and what what was it that Steve saw that made him go out on a limb when no one else would. So stick around for that. For those of you who have joined, if you haven't joined, go to the website, the button at the top, become a member. Um, subscriptions or membership, excuse me, start as little as $5 a month. So go there and do that. And as always, guys, until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. Mm-hmm.